Hello, everyone. I'm TJ. And I'm Aaron. And, and we're, we're the, the OK, OK Petunias. Petunias. And this week, we are coming to you to talk about the episode, Stan's Return, which is the 11th episode of season one. So I think the su- plot summary is kind of right there in the title, isn't it? Yes, it's Stan Returns. There you go. That's the end of the pod. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. Of course, we are kidding. You're not going to get off that easily. <laughs> um, so as the title suggests, this episode marks the moment when Stan comes back after the ill-fated, like, Kate wedding incident. And as it turns out, they need to sell some property because apparently they bought property in Miami when they were first married. Which is the first thing that's, of course, showing them having the kind of resources that lets you do that. I love how sometimes Dorothy and Stan were rich. Other times they were always poor. It's always a mixed bag with the Golden It really is a mixed bag. Um, So he takes Dorothy to lunch where he then reveals that Chrissy has left him. um, And then they have sex. Stan thinks they want to get, that it's time to get back together. That, you know, that this is a new beginning. Dorothy's like, maybe, but probably not. Ultimately decides that she can't trust him anymore and says, okay, no, I can't do this. Then Stan decides to get back with Chrissy, who at least can give him great sex. Mm-hmm. Although he may not be able to return the favor. Exactly. <laughs> and in the B story, the other girls are talking about where they want to go on vacation, and that's literally all they get that's to do. That's really all that they get to do. <laughs> I will say that, you know, in the annals of B stories, this is probably one of the weaker ones, mm-hmm. even though it does lead to some funny moments, which we'll get to in a moment. Um, so, what moments did you like in this episode? Okay, well, getting to that, the whole discussion over those vacations, I think, is hilarious. It's a great example of, you know, these great actresses doing a lot with a little. Yes. (laughs) Because it's not a lot of screen time, and obviously the the conversations they have don't really go anywhere because it's just sort of throwaway dialogue to kind of fill time around the actual premise of the episode. But that said, I think there's some really, really funny moments in looking at the different places that Blanche and Rose are thinking about going on vacation. And the way even when Dorothy talks about it, when she finally chimes in, the different assumptions they make about what's going to be a good time. Right. The fact that they're so different makes you wonder, like, how are these three even friends if they have such different ideas about how to enjoy themselves? Right. I mean, so, you know, the funniest line for me is where Rose sort of throws her hands up. It's like, I'll be happy to go anywhere they don't spit on Americans. Yes. Which, I mean, is very Rose-like. It's a pretty realistic, you know, easy bar to clear, I think. Well, maybe not. I don't know. It is the 80s, so it's kind of mm-hmm. hard to say. Yeah, lots of enemies for America at the time. Right. Um, so, it, but it's also interesting that Dorothy's like, I want to go back to New York City, but it's like, you grew up there. What's, why would you want to go on vacation? Go somewhere new. Because she's a New Yorker. There's nowhere else in the world to New Yorkers but New York. Okay, but she's from Brooklyn. It's not like she's from the good part of New York. Wow. My apologies to all of our listeners in Brooklyn. I think Brooklyn's awesome. I, I jest, of course. I, I don't have strong feelings about New York one way or the other um i will say that also one of my favorite moments is when at the as the episode reaches its conclusion chrissy shows up at stan's hotel and is like i need you back stick man okay so yeah we if we're gonna talk about good moments we need to just go ahead and lay this moment out because it is wonderful um it's very well timed uh the moment with chrissy uh stan's soon to be almost (laughs) ex-wife uh comes after uh, Dorothy has realized that Stan really has sort of developed feelings for her again and she knows that she actually does need to talk to him Mm -hmm. that she can't just sort of let it slide and assume that he will go away that he's actually determined to kind of come back so she actually kind of has to let him down so she goes to meet him at his hotel to have this conversation with him because despite her anger and her righteous anger at him 
she actually does care about his feelings and knows that this is actually going to hurt him. Yeah. So she wants to go and do it in person and do the right thing and actually have the conversation. But of course, that effort gets interrupted because Chrissy shows up to make a play to get Stan back to. <laughs> Which is the only time that we see Chrissy mm-hmm. in the entire run of the show. And is the only second time that we see one of Stan's sort of wives. Because mm-hmm. we also meet Catherine, yes. but only once. And so it's a very hilarious moment. First of all, because she's so perfectly cast as Chrissy. Like, when you imagine Chrissy, this is what you think of. Yeah, she's got that perfect 80s bubbly blonde (laughs) look going on. It's like, I feel like I've seen that actress in literally everything. Because she just sort of looks like that character who shows up in all of the comedies from that time. And so she's perfectly cast. And, you know, it's very funny the way that she's like... I was wrong to think I could leave you for Jean Paul. <laughs> and you know, she calls him Big Stan, Big you know, Stick Sick Man. man. Uh, <laughs> yes. It's so. And, and Dorothy is just as bemused by those nicknames as the audience at those moments. <laughs> I mean, I I have many questions. I, I it's kind of gross, but also hilarious, just the way that it's orchestrated. And so I think that that moment succeeds so well, especially when Dorothy's, Dorothy's like, "But Stick Man." Yes. <laughs> you know, I I I think that it really does sort of it's framed in a very fascinating way that, you know, we have these three people who have every reason to sort of dislike each other, but somehow find this weird mm-hmm. kind of like, I don't know, tranquility at this moment. Exactly. Except right up until Chrissy throws the water or the wine in Stan's face. Exactly. And I love that you thought, brought that up because I hadn't actually thought about how for that, that scene with all three of them, again, it's three people who are positioned and not like each other, but it's actually very cordial and supportive. It's like, Dorothy, of course, since she doesn't want Stan back, she's like, okay, Chrissy wants him back. They should go ahead and just get back together. And she's got absolutely nothing against Chrissy, Mm -hmm. which I think is very, not just very classy for the show to do, but I think not of the moment. I think it's actually a bit more progressive than that time period where it was very much in vogue for like the wronged wife to be like, I hate the other woman, even though technically the other woman didn't actually... Right. do anything it's the husband who was wrong not the other woman this show gets that mm-hmm. even early on in this era like Dorothy's like I don't have anything against her I'm like you know like she you know thinks she's kind of a, a dumb blonde and she is a little bit ditzy she comes off in that way but she's like no hard feelings take the guy right. like, <laughs> like, like rather than going he's supposed to be my husband and therefore I hate you. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I think that there's a, a really spectacular display of B. Arthur's ability to capture those moments. Like mm-hmm. she has some really funny, you know, lines, her final line of like, here's the great sex and the dumb blonde is not going to get any. Right. Like it's, again, it's just B. Arthur's ability to deliver a line is exquisitely timed and perfectly mm-hmm. captured. And I, of course, I would be remiss if I didn't also say that one of the other great moments in this episode is when Stan shows up in the kitchen yes. in Dorothy's bathrobe. Exactly. So the morning after the deed has been done. Right. <laughs> you know, so, you know, Blanche and Sophia and Rose are out in the kitchen and then in strolls Stan and I believe it's a pink bathrobe. Yes. It's a pink sort of silky bathrobe. Mm-hmm. Which, what is with this guy and wearing women's bathrobe? Because he wears Gloria's bathrobe too. Well, because that he wouldn't have had anything else to wear. Remember, he just sort of spontaneously. I know. Why not put his actual night. clothes? Back? Well, because we want to highlight the fact that he stayed the night and took his clothes right. off. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he learned a few things from Phil. Mm-hmm. But I love that 
for this moment and it happens again with Dorothy because or I'm sorry with Gloria in that later episode because it's the second Gloria that B. Arthur and uh, the other actress who plays the second uh, Gloria are both very tall yeah uh, and so the robe is long enough <laughs> to actually work well on Stan because uh, Herb Edelman's a fairly tall guy himself but these women that he's playing opposite in these moments are almost as tall as he is right I mean that, you're right that, it, that there is a brilliant piece of costuming because it looks so natural <laughs> at the same time as it looks very unnatural because exactly. of course one of the long-standing sort of conventions of sitcom is, is nothing as funny as a man in a dress exactly. or a, a man in a woman's night robe so i i think that that's another one of those really exquisitely timed comedic moments mm-hmm. so i do think that much like its predecessor this episode really sort of gets into the meat of what it is to be a divorced person and just how messy and complicated that is. Like, you know, we were talking earlier about Dorothy being sort of Zen about Stan getting back with Chrissy, which makes sense narratively because she made peace with her anger in the earlier episode. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that she would be willing to sort of pass the torch. Yeah. Exactly, because not only has she begun the process of sort of making peace with her anger in that previous episode, in this episode she's gotten that moment of intimacy with Stan again, and there is stuff about it that she enjoyed. Like she said, it was like, you know, being with a comfortable stranger and all that kind of stuff. But it reminded her that she's actually moved on already. Mm-hmm. And that And because she's can accept that she's moved on already, there really aren't any hard feelings. She's just like, yeah we're not supposed to be together. Like that what's done is done and it's just kind of time to let it go. (laughs) Right. And I like that. I think that that phrase, like the stranger phrase, like does is doing a lot of work there. Like, Mm -hmm. cause I think that that is really what divorce means for a lot of people. Cause you spend so much of your life, particularly, you know, in Dorothy and Stan's case, almost four decades Mm -hmm. sort of intimately tied up with this other person with the rhythms of their life. But now Stan's been divorced. They've been divorced. I think they say two years, not that that matters in golden girls land. It could Mm -hmm. be anywhere from like two to 10 as far as the golden girls is concerned, but we know they've been divorced for a while and that's long enough where the chasm between your lives starts to sort of stretch out Mm -hmm. and you start to feel more, as she says, you know, we're strangers now. Yeah. And that's a really fascinating kind of mental and emotional space to be in given the length of their intimate relationship mm-hmm. before. Yeah, and I, and I like that the show is very well crafted and that it gives us moments where for the characters to make those realizations themselves rather than that just sort of being assumed already uh, because it makes it clear for the audience what's going on. The fact that Dorothy kind of has to talk herself to these realizations mm-hmm. rather than it, it sort of being left to us to assume that she's already right. figured these things out. By the way, I think you meant realizations. (laughs) And I have to also, you know, to jump ahead a bit, I do have a question. Did he show her the new meaning of solicitous at this moment? (laughs) Because I really was curious if, you know, that was also brought, if that also came to light as they were having this little... No, I think it took him a couple more years to learn that, so that's why it comes up. I mean, clearly he didn't learn anything from Chrissy, as Dorothy herself points out. Mm -hmm. But it's also striking to me that what sort of is the deciding factor for Dorothy as she kind of has this introspective moment is that she can't trust him anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a really sort of potent moment for her as she recognizes that really something irretrievable has gone out of their relationship. Yeah. And I think that that's going to be the thing that's going to really haunt their relationship from now until the end is that when it comes right down to it, she can't trust with him. Exactly. Like as much as, you know, she finds herself falling in love with him in season two and season three and four and five and six, 
the bottom line is that when he cheated on her with, and you know, as she subsequently found out, had been doing so from the beginning, that really destroyed something, and yeah. it can never be put back together again. And it takes her a long time to realize that. And while I think some people might fault her for that, that is something very human. And I think that's one of those real moments where the Golden Girl speaks to a very powerful emotional truth. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's something else there where it's uh, both characters recognize that despite all of Stan's shortcomings, despite all of his flaws, despite all of his mistakes, despite all the shitty things he did. There was never any question that both characters loved each other. Right. And I think that that's what makes it hard. It's like when you know that the person who's hurt you loves you, it's very hard to just be like, you're dead to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as Dorothy says at some, you know, as she says at subsequent points throughout the show, like they share children together. Like mm-hmm. they, as much as she once made it extract herself from Stan's life, the fact they can't like, and I think that, you know, that's a hard thing for, I think younger people to sort of wrap their heads around, but for this generation and what divorce means and looks like, I think that's one of the things the golden girls really accurately reflects. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm glad you thought brought that up. I don't think I'd ever really thought about that before. I feel like if this were a show that were set right now with a bunch of women who were, you know, in their fifties, when the show began and it was supposed to be someone who had been married for a long, long time and then divorced i don't know that that would make quite as much sense with the basic premise they got of him just sort of having been unfaithful Mm -hmm. because i think the expectation would have been they they would have broken up long before right the 38 year mark right i mean because you know i think that as established down the line i think that dorothy had to know on some level Mm -hmm. that he was having affairs i mean there's the whole incident with the lipstick on his collar thing exactly so you know But, but of course there are all kinds of reasons why couples back in that day would have stayed together. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's very fascinating to me the way which, and I, you know, we said last time, you know, Herb Edelman is so finely cast as Stanley. And I think that part of the reason he works so well is because of his performance. We really get to sort of understand Stan's masculinity, like mm-hmm. and the masculinity of a very particular type. Yeah. You know I mean? As we said last week, a lot of the fandom has sort of built up an antipathy towards Stan, mm-hmm. but I find him, you know, explicable and likable despite his flaw, perhaps just because of his flaws. Yeah. Cause I mean, he is sort of the epitome of sort of midlife crisis man mm-hmm. circa 1985. Yeah. You know, everything from like the fact that he wears a toupee, mm-hmm. which of course is an ongoing joke because of, of how bad it is. <laughs> um, but also, you know, his marriage to Chrissy is itself the ultimate expression of his midlife crisis in his refusal to grow up mm-hmm. or his reluctance to admit that he's getting older. Exactly. And although I think that uh, the point of what I'm about to make next gets established better in later episodes, I think we're also getting the beginning of the idea that, you know, Stan's just sort of a dope. He's not, he's not the brightest bulb in the chandelier. Right. He doesn't make good choices that that's just him. And I think that there's something that's, there's there's something respectable about the acknowledgement of that in Stan's character mm-hmm. as as the show goes on, and why I think it's easy maybe for me to not hold everything against him the way that some members of the fandom do is because I see him as being kind of a hapless idiot. Right. I, be, like, I believe he's gonna he's gonna do dumb shit because he's a dumb guy. Like, right. <laughs> I believe your the word you're looking for is yutz. Yes. He, he is, is very a, much a yutz. He is a great a epitome of a yutz. But I think that that's part of what makes him 
understandable because we all know guys like that mm-hmm. that he's very impulse driven like everything from his you know initial divorce to Dorothy but also the fact that you know when he's presented with Chrissy coming back to him he turns on a dime yeah like it, well and and Dorothy's rejection of him, right yes. that's what I meant like you know once Dorothy makes it clear that they're no he's no she's no longer interested in him he goes chasing after Dorothy right or Chrissy right away exactly and like and w- but with a bit of self-awareness right you know which is about the best I think we can get from Stan where he's just kind of like you know you know <laughs> great sex is better than nothing you right know? and I'm like and that takes a lot of honesty for a, for a guy like Stan to just be like yeah I know that what I'm pursuing is kind of stupid and pointless or whatever, but it's all I got. Yep. (laughs) And I'm reminded here too of like the second time that Dorothy gets together with Glenn. Mm -hmm. Because I'm reminded of like their conversation and how Glenn is essentially looking for someone to take care of him. Mm -hmm. Because much like many other men of that generation, he's never had to take care of himself yeah and i think that it's I, that's a really important context to remember that both stan and glenn and so many of the other men that they encounter were men of the 50s now i'm gonna make a generalization but i'll, I'll make it because i think it holds true that you know many men of that generation literally did not know how to take care of a house mm-hmm. like by, by which i mean like housework yeah so that reads as authentic to me that stan would pursue that kind of you know relationship because he can't much like Blanche can't be without a man, Stan's afraid of being alone yeah. and what that would mean. Exactly. And I think that, you know, for, again, a generation that was raised to believe that sort of, like, you know, marriage was the goal. Again, I think that's something that doesn't register as strongly with younger audiences who weren't raised in that age, mm-hmm. like who were raised in the sort of divorce age. Yeah. So it doesn't read as authentic, but that's one of the things about the Golden Girls is I think it really is an interesting time capsule mm-hmm. for that generation of people. Yeah. And I also think it's important that even for folks who might understand that in the past that marriage might have been a goal for women, I think that the way that we talk about patriarchy and all that kind of stuff obscures the fact that it was equally a goal for men mm-hmm. at the time, too. That it's like for a man that age to find himself alone is not part of the the story. It's like, now, he might trade his wife for a younger wife. (laughs) Unfortunately, (laughs) that was part of the the paradigm at the time. But it was always end up with someone. Right. Not end up on your own. Yeah, I mean, as you said earlier, like, this won't become as clear until later, like, the heart surgery thing. But it is, you know, a striking moment when Stan sort of admits that he's afraid of being alone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's something very human and very understandable for all of us. Like, I mean... Who wants to be alone? Because they're in their 50s now. Like, it's not like they're young anymore. Yep. Like, and I think that there is something really genuinely frightening about the facing the rest of one's life alone. Mm-hmm. Which I think the Golden Girls... And so it makes sense that he would go running off after Chrissy. Yep. But I also think that what that speaks to, and I think one of the things that the episode does very well, is sort of helping us to see how much these characters understand each other. Yeah. Like, I, this is certainly true of Dorothy and Stan. And as we said last week... I think that the undeniable chemistry between B. Arthur and Herb Edelman really helps those notes to land because mm-hmm. we really, they they fit so seamlessly together. You really can see them as a couple that knows one another in and out yeah. for better and for worse. Yep. Exactly. I'm with you totally. Um, and, you know, as I said, I do think that that exchange in the hotel room really sort of crystallizes the nature of their relationship as it exists now. Mm-hmm. And I you know, the moment where she's toasting herself, basically, and it's like, you know, one final joke at Stan's expense, even though he's not there to hear it. 
Mm-hmm. And even that, I think, is wonderful. Like because that we, as the audience, get the pleasure of her making that snarky joke about her ex-husband who had been bad to her. But since he's already left the room, it doesn't have the effect of being cruel, of sort of throwing it in his face. It's like she's a- a- allowed to be kind and gracious to him while also getting her snarky joke in. Yep. And I mean, you know, it really does. I have to give Dorothy props for like basically being like, okay, yeah, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. You know, Stan can leave now and go off and be with Chrissy. Yeah. I mean, that I don't know that I would be able to do that in that situation. Yeah. And to be fair, the audio or the, the episode, it is well written. She does at least allude to that earlier on when she's talking to the girls before she goes over to meet Stan and mm-hmm. she's talking about, and she's talking about the fact that she's been feeling a little bit confused herself about the feelings. Mm-hmm. That's why I think it's so easy for her to be so kind to Stan. Cause she's like, I've been feeling it too. Right. Like I've also been weird about the two of us and whether or not we could be together. I have been considering it. I have been thinking about that and I've just decided that that's not what I want. Right. And I mean, cause I think that, you know, we talk a lot on this pod about how well the golden girl sort of captures the messiness of human relationships, mm-hmm. you know, human relationships. <laughs> um, and I think this is another instance where much as we might like per- life to be perfect and for things to match up in neat little boxes i think that one thing that dorothy's confusion and also stands you know running to be with christy again reveals is that it's not always that easy Mm -hmm. that in fact very often life is far messier than we ever would like it to be yeah as my dad once put it to me life's not perfect Mm -hmm. so i think now we have to get to the point where we do have some questions Mm -hmm. um and i think one of the most pressing and this is a controversial question and one that has sort of motivated a lot of commentary in the years. So there is the very funny exchange between Dorothy and Sophia where Dorothy's asking a set of like what are basically rhetorical questions. But of course it's Sophia, so she can't let them just reside as rhetorical questions, mm-hmm. but get, you know, has saucy answers. And she's like, why did I ever marry that man? Because he knocked you up. And why did I let that happen? And then Sophia says, because he got you drunk. <laughs> so of course internet commentary being what it is and you know we live in the me too era which is very good and obviously a a social good that is for the benefit of many people but this along with a subsequent episode where dorothy says that you know she thinks stan must have slipped or something has ignited some consternation Mm -hmm. among the fandom and rightly so because i think that you know it reads from 2023 as basically a date rape joke Mm -hmm. um and raises questions about like you know the sort of the fundamental ethics of Dorothy's marriage right. to Stan. Exactly. Um, but I think that that is perhaps putting more weight on this throwaway line than it perhaps can sustain. Exactly. Yeah. The, the point I wanted to make about this actually kind of gets around sort of the fundamental question about what happened between Dorothy and Stan on that fateful night many, many, <laughs> many years ago. It actually is more of a commentary on what I think was happening in our culture at the time in terms of our discourses surrounding alcohol and sex and consent and all of that kind of stuff i think unfortunately a lot of the contemporary criticism i think tries to make stan out to be more of a villain than i think the show does Mm -hmm. because i think contemporary critics are trying to make the world a better place than it was in the mid 80s right when the show was written and the audience for whom it was written right at the time much of the target audience for this show in the mid 80s would not necessarily have agreed that there was such a thing as date rape. Right. (laughs) And 
obviously, uh, with that in mind, it's I think it's hard for us to then judge the co- the comment as a comment about date rape when I'm not even sure that the writers right. would have accepted that as a premise. Unfortunately, it was very, very common in shows like this to make jokes about a guy getting a woman drunk and getting lucky yeah. is the way they would phrase it at that time. That was just sort of a throwaway joke in a whole lot of shows. And I think it might be a mistake to try to make this example more than just a throwaway joke, because I think there's a lot of reasons to interpret it in the way that I just described right. <laughs> rather than the newer way, because it was just so common in comedy at the time for that to be a laughing moment, right. as opposed to something that was meant for deeper consideration right i mean because you know there's an infamous essay about the golden girls that argues that dorothy's anger at sophia is about like the date rape like mm-hmm. in the you know sophia forcing dorothy to get me i think that that's giving not to be blunt not to be too crude but i think that's giving the golden girls more credit than i think it deserves yeah because there's not that much mythology baked into it and two additional points to this issue is that one it contradicts other accounts of exactly. what of how dorothy relates how this went down in one instance, she says that Dor- you know there was enough time for Stan to go get condoms, but he didn't get them because the uh, the uh, pharmacy was closed, mm-hmm. and that's why she got pregnant. Yeah. And then in another, you know, he said, "Paint my toenails." We just invaded Korea, and then of course, you know, I'm being shipped off. Would you have sex with me again? Putting the agency in her hands, mm-hmm. not in his. So there's no real consistency exactly narratively for that to really be a sort of cornerstone to any kind of sustained argument exactly because of the unfortunate sort of complete lack of narrative continuity for the backgrounds of a lot of these characters makes it impossible to make a coherent argument about the past of any of the main characters because we get such varied accounts about pretty much everything about their lives prior to them living together in Miami right and then there's also the additional point that Sophia will always say whatever she thinks can be like the waspiest thing she could say Mm -hmm. so it's very likely that alcohol wasn't even involved just something that Sophia would say to get under Dorothy's skin Mm -hmm. so all of which is to say that Rape jokes are gross, yes, but I don't think in this case that it's enough to buttress anything more than just to say it was gross. It's a reflection of mm-hmm. a deeply misogynist culture that pervaded obviously everything from sitcoms mm-hmm. to everything else, including the Golden Girls. And I, and I would say to sort of, to I guess to show a bit more solidarity with folks that I've been disagreeing with, I think that it's a testament to some wonderful changes in our culture that we even interpret that remark as a rape joke. Because, like I said before, I don't know that that would have been the case in the mid-80s. That most audience people would even have heard that as a rape joke. Right. And I mean, because the, the, even the term date rape only comes into sort of common usage when I when we're kids. Like exactly. The late, the late 80s and early mm-hmm. 90s. So, again, just a bit of historicizing, which is always important to understand the Golden Girls as a product of its time. Exactly. For better and for worse. So lastly, you know, as we always like to do with Coco, we hardly knew ye. So this, as I said earlier, marks the one and only time that we get Chrissy, who is played by an actress named Simone Griffith, who I'm not particularly familiar with her filmography. Like, she, her last credit from is from 2017. Mm-hmm, but let's go back and look at some stuff from the 80s. But from the 80s, she was in, you know, some of the bigger shows of the 80s, including The Dukes of Hazzard, yeah. uh, Nero Wolf. She was in Chips. She was in Heart to Heart. Heart okay, yeah. Um, she was in... Oh, and the new Mike Hammer show. She was on that, too. Yeah. And, of course, at the same time as she's in The Golden Girl, she's also in Magnum P.I. Um, and also T.J. Hooker. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she has a pretty nice filmography. So someone who's clearly sort of dipping her toes in acting. 
And I think she really captures what I, when I think of Chrissy, just from the way that Dorothy mm-hmm. describes her in like the first episode and subsequently, that's basically what I have in mind is exactly how she looks. Exactly. Everything about that performance again. And it's a testament to the talent of the guest actors that a show like the Golden Girls can pull in is that again, these are very small roles. They don't get a lot of screen time. And so the characters kind of have to make an impression right mm-hmm. away. And she does a fantastic job from the time that door opens. And as soon as we see her, we already have some sense of who she's going to be from the very time from the moment she opens her mouth and we start to hear her talk we hear her voice we see her mannerisms they're all spot on perfect for this type of character yep. the flight attendant which was such a common trope for movies in the 80s the pretty blonde stewardess who would be the other woman you know in a situation like this she just sort of absolutely nails all of those tropes yep absolutely well, that seems like a good place to end. I think this is a great episode. It's always good to see Stan. I mean, Dorothy might not agree, but mm-hmm. we certainly think it's a good time to see Stan. I always love it when she slams the door in his yep, face. Yep, always a perfect beginning to an episode. So I think that's all we have for you all this week. So thanks, as always, for tuning in to us you know, here at the OK Petunias. So for the OK Petunias, I'm TJ. And I'm Aaron. And we will see you next week. Mm-hmm.